I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash achieve today. Ever catch yourself eating the same flavorless dinner three days in a row? Dreaming of something better? Well, HelloFresh is your guilt-free dream come true, baby. It's me, Kiki Palmer. Let's wake up those taste buds with hot, juicy pecan-crusted chicken or garlic-butter shrimp scampi. Mm. Hello Fresh. Stop dreaming of all the delicious possibilities and dig in at HelloFresh.com. Let's get this dinner party started. Hello and welcome back for another episode. I have decided to call the podcast, ba-ba-da-ba, Champions of Happy. Yes, so welcome to the Champions of Happy podcast. I'm James, I'm your host, and in this podcast I'll be talking to people about their interests, their loves, and their joys. Today I'm talking to comic book writer Joe Glass. You may know him from his work, The Pride, a gay superhero team. And today we're going to be talking to him about his love and joy of comics and his new project, The Glitter Vipers. I hope you enjoy. Hello and thank you, Joe, for joining me on the podcast today. Yeah, hey, thanks for having me. No, my, my, my absolute pleasure. Um, so where, where are you right now? Uh, so I'm uh, down in South Wales, um, furloughed away in uh, my family home um, in the South Wales Valleys. Um, at the moment in my bedroom come office, uh, do, where I do a lot of my writing uh, these days. Um, yeah, just deep dark valleys of South Wales, really. Where are you, where are you normally based when you're not there? I uh, know this is this is where I live. Um, oh, right. This is where I'm always based. Um, but yeah, I'm just furloughed at the moment from my day job, so um, I don't really go anywhere. I'm just here all the time lately. <laughs> so is it you and your parents? Did you say? Yeah, it's my uh, family home. Uh, my parents. I moved back um, God years ago, and the house market being where it is, it's pretty difficult to get somewhere of your own, um, even outside of London. So. No, yeah, um, I'm kind of still here at the moment. <laughs> uh, how is how is it um, doing lockdown with parents? Everything's been fine. Um, my uh, my mum's a uh, key worker. She's uh, works for the NHS, so she's been working still for a lot of it. Um, she's on uh, off work at the moment, but and thankfully everyone's still healthy though. Um, so yeah, it's been going alright. It's just been a case of being furloughed myself um because of not being required given the amount of work that is at my day job and just also kind of a case of um just trying to keep everyone healthy because i like living with my parents as i say and they're both people who are at risk categories um so at the moment it's just more about protecting them than anything else um but on the plus side i get to sit at home and do a lot more writing so it kind of all works out <laughs> so joe could you summarize what you do, who you are, everything about you for us. Uh, I'm a comic book writer, um, primarily. I um, create a series called The Pride, 
about an all LGBTQ superhero team, which is available on Comixology. Um, I've also done a book called Acceptable Losses, which is also on Comixology. And at the moment, I'm kickstarting my next project, uh, Glitter Vipers, which is an original graphic novel um, about a queer street gang in Manchester's gay village, um, which has already been successfully funded. We've still got about a week at the time of this recording um, on our um, Kickstarter. So um, we're just getting all that extra gravy now. So it's been good. That's amazing. How long have you been writing for? Um, well, I've been writing since I was about 15. Um, I'm 35 now, so about 20, 20 years. Um, in terms of writing and releasing things and actually like publishing things, whether it be self-published or otherwise, it's been maybe 10, 10 11 years. Um, but certainly I, since about the age of 15, I, that was around the time when I sort of realised, yeah, I, I want to write things, I want to make stories. Um, so yeah, that's about the time I would have started writing down ideas and sort of building and learning to improve my craft as well. So 20 years, but only like 10, 11 years in publishing. Nice. And have all your projects been self-funded, self-made or do yeah, you work with publishers? Like, um, initially, the Pride was self-published, um, and when we did a bunch of issues, we did the collection, which we did on Kickstarter, etc. Um, the second season, however, was picked up by a publisher called Comixology Originals, which is a digital first publication um, system, and they uh, have been coming out now. Well, actually, the whole second season came out last year, so um, we did like a whole new six-issue arc of, of the Pride. Um, so although the series was initially self-published, it's now with a publisher. So, um, but that would still really be my only experience of working with a publisher at the moment is uh, Comicsology Originals of the Pride. Because I, I suppose for people who, do, who aren't into comics, they, their knowledge would probably be the basic of your, there's either Marvel or there's DC, but there are so oh, many more commenting, comic, yeah, comic king, comic king? Comic <laughs> book publishers. Yeah, I, I've really chosen to do a really good podcast, but I, I'm not very good at talking. Because um, <laughs> I'm aware, I mean, there's probably tons, but I'm aware of Dark Horse, IMG, uh, who else do I know? There's plenty, isn't there? Comic comicology, like you said. Um, yeah. The same, mate. I mean, personally, I'm a Marvel boy myself. Yeah. Um, but I have dipped my toe into Boom Studios, do fantastic work. I love. Oh, they've been, their, yeah, really some great stuff lately. Um, really nice original content. Yeah, like I'm, um, like primarily when I was getting into comics, I was very much the same. Like I was only really aware of Marvel and DC, um, and I was very much a Marvel boy as well. Like definitely, like and still to this day, probably a bigger. Well, I know I read a lot of DC now, um, but yeah, it's kind of it's one of those things you don't you sort of take some time breaking into that kind of hobby and you tend to see the two biggest names because they're the ones which also have mass multimedia uh, connections you'll, you'll have x-men cartoons and justice league fo uh, films and things like that so you kind of feel like oh that's they're the most obvious ones but yeah in terms of comics publishers there are so many um and there's a lot more all the time and at the moment um the real interesting thing in the comics industry um itself is like a lot of these smaller new independent um, publishers are actually releasing some of the best stuff. So um, like there's a publisher at the moment called Vault um, who nearly everything they have published so far has just been like not just good but like stellar. So um, it's really really exciting right now to see all these other publishers getting in on on the game and sort of the voices that the creative voices that they're finding to create these things and give them a platform. 
as a young comic book lover and geek, we, what were your first go-to titles? Oh, X-Men, for sure. Um, like, I was in love with the TV show, um, the X-Men cartoon of the 90s, and then um, I think my sort of love of comics sort of came from the... I mean, technically speaking, it's not the first comic I, I ever read. <clears throat> I... Um, when I was like really little, I went on holidays to France with my parents and there was like a little news agent in the campsite and uh, they had a copy of Ghost Rider, um, which yeah. I was I was maybe six or seven. So like to my six or seven year old mind, this flaming skulled motorcyclist guy on the cover was like, oh, this is wild. I got to pick this up. No idea what's going on. I could not tell you what happened in that issue to this day. Like, it's gone from my mind. But that was probably the first comic I ever picked up. Um, and then I kind of, and I, I guess I kind of love the medium. Like, I, in terms of how it went from there, I read like Sonic the Comic, which uh, which was released here in the UK, um, and a lot of the reprinted material, um, which of Marvel comics, which were released. So primarily X Men was like the big one. Um, that was the, the X Men was the one which really sort of made me fall in love with the hobby and sort of the actual medium of reading comic books and superheroes and all that stuff. Um, so yeah, I used to read X Men religiously. Um, from God, I must have, I, I probably started reading them properly and like collecting them from about the age of eleven or possibly a little younger. Nice. I don't want to go down. A, I don't want. I could talk to you about X Men for that could be an entirely other podcast, but we we won't go down that route. My one, if you can give me like a quick one liner uh, for people who don't read X Men comics right now, mm -hmm. the X Men are living on their own island and they have their own society. And I I've read very uh, dividing opinions on it. Mm -hmm. I'm personally not a fan of the direction they've gone in. I feel they've become more of a cult and less humanized as people. How do you, are you do you, are you do you think it's the right direction for the X Men or not, Joe? This is purely I, a selfish question. Sorry, listeners. You oh yeah, totally. um, I personally adore it. Um, because for me, it is very much when I read X Men, like I very much take it from the idea of it. It's a metaphor for being different. It's a metaphor for being LGBTQ, and for me, seeing it taken away from this. Um, constant repetitious cycle that x-men has really been in since its inception more or less of oh the world is out against them because they fear and hate them and that means sentinels are going to blow up their house every five minutes that's what um, i want <laughs> well, yeah it's like that's fun and that's great stories <laughs> but it's like after so many decades it's nice to actually see like oh no what happens if they start making their own society and start making their own culture um and like the closest they've ever done it before was during grant morrison's x-men run uh new x-men he uh, sort of had this idea of like a, um mutant pop culture had started happening mm -hmm. so you had mutant fashion designers and stuff like that um this is and it's kind of where we're at now feels like a continuation of that um where it's um yeah they've kind of getaway themselves and yes there's a lot of discussion to be had about whether that um, self-imposed almost segregation um, is useful, but like it's kind of much been much more focused on the idea of um, becoming a society, becoming a culture, um, and that has been like fascinating for me to see. Um, plus, I, I just love Jonathan Hickman's writing, so like for me, I was just like I'm just sold on it. 
Nice. I, I, I genuinely could go on and I, I'm biting my yeah. tongue as to what I feel. <laughs> my, my, the one thing I will say is I feel like reading um, the, I think it's a four issue comic with the X-Men and the uh, Fantastic Four. Um, I think oh, yeah. Storm sums it up perfectly. I think I'm totally, I'm not normally a Fantastic Four fan, but reading their current stuff, it's been yeah. fantastic. And I, I, I get it. Anyway, moving on from the X-Men entirely, because I will yeah. just keep going on about that and we're not here for that. Although it, it brings me joy. So that's all the same. Yeah, totally. Um, if you were to, um, so on the topic of X-Men, if you were to write a singular solo um, character issue, storyline, arc, which character would you want to write for? Um, and have, have you ever written th- before for other characters that aren't your own? Um, I've, yes, written on other books in the past. Um, I don't think, there's one which was like a co-written thing with some colleagues, which uh, was a series I used to do years ago, um, which never fully completed because like we had a very pop, we were a very strong fan base who we were very loyal, but it was not a very large fan base. So it wasn't enough to really keep the project going. Sure. Um, and I have written on some other things, which I can't talk about as yet. So oh, um, think- there is stuff which is coming out, but um, I've never done anything like a Marvel or DC book. Um, <laughs> if I was to do an X-Men book solo, I know exactly who it would be, but it's an obscure-ish character. Um, and everyone would think that, when, as soon as I say that, anyone knows me or follows me on Twitter thinks like I'm going to say Chamber, which is my favourite X-Man, but it's actually Pixie. Um, she is, is Welsh, isn't she? Welsh mutant, the only Welsh superhero that I can think of, um, nice. beyond the one I created in the Pride. Um, so I'm like, yeah, of course I'm going to write a, a solo mini series about Pixie, um, and just have Welsh superhero shenanigans. I love Pixie. I thought she was a great X Men edition. Um, it's a sh- mm. they did a, a lot of great work with younger X Men when they were all still in the school, which they never really went anywhere with. And my boyfriend is calling me. Let me just tell him to go away. (laughs) Two seconds. Uh, I'm sorry, I told him I was doing this and he completely forgotten. Um, I'll just pick it up from... uh, Yeah, Pixie. I I love Pixie. I thought she's a great (laughs) character. Um, When I read her, I try to read her in a Welsh accent and I'm like, how is... is, I can't do a Welsh accent, but I'm not going to even try. But um, I, 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 I read her and I'm like, how does she actually sound? But yeah, it's a shame that they haven't they, yeah, they it's like the closest they've ever oh, a boy writer has ever sort of got to writing Pixie in a way which made her seem Welsh was when Kieran Gillen was writing X Men, um, and he lived for a time in Bristol, um, if I remember correctly. So mm-hmm. it's just like, yeah, he knows what Welsh people sound like. So like when he wrote uh, Pixie in his X Men uh, run, it was the own one of the only times where I genuinely felt like, oh yeah, she sounds Welsh, um, which is great a lot of the time she kind of sounds american because I, but then again at the same time a lot uh modern day x-men stories don't tend to do an awful lot of that writing phonetically in a way to suggest an accent um like outside of a few characters um like rogue doesn't tend to say ma and all that anymore it's like written as just my now instead and just like oh you you oh, know yeah. you, you will do it in your head um and that's true but i do sometimes miss these odd spellings which when you read them in your head can't help but make your brain make those sounds um it might be considered a little not ideal but to me i always loved it when i was reading them so because i I know i noticed more with chamber because i know he's british and i think Mm. they do throw in the occasional bloody hell or bugger 
or like a, a very English word, and I'm reading it. It's like American, American, American. Bloody hell! And I'm like, oh yeah, Chambers English. Of course he is. <laughs> uh, so I know you guys. I first met you when I went to a Comic Con. I think it was some sort of yeah, expo. way back when. Yeah. <laughs> Don't think I was in cosplay that time, but um. So in the past, I've dressed up as the Phoenix in, in cosplay. Um, mm. I've tried to get into the outfit recently. COVID has put some weight on me, and I can no longer get in the thing. And it did look oh, a little no. bit. I know. I know from your Instagram, you take pictures normally of cosplayers um, when at the conventions. Have you ever cosplayed yourself? I never have. Um, <gasps> I I don't think I have the talent to make a cosplay costume because, like, when I see cosplayers, like they everything they make just looks absolutely amazing to me, and I'm mm. just like, how can you make that kind of stuff? Um, but it's also like when. When you've got a cosplayer, I, like I don't want to sound like negative to anyone, but like when you've got a cosplayer which is like not store-bought, not like you know very simplistic, which is more like oh they've they've actually spent time they've made that. What yeah. you what tends to be the case is they spent a lot of money making that as well, and I'm like I I kind of got to use all my money to make comic books, so I'm just sure. like it's something I would kind of love to maybe try one day, but like I've never really had the opportunity myself. So for me, like my love of cosplay is very much in seeing people um, bring these characters to life and sometimes the absolute creativity in what they do in their costuming, like how they made it, how they put it together or even how they've twisted it. Like when you see the like the gender bent character cost, uh, costumes or things like that, like I love that kind of stuff, um, particularly when it's like something which is a bit more obscure and you don't expect to see it. and it's pretty wild to see. And like going back to like Chamber, like one of my favorite cosplays I ever saw was someone cosplaying as Chamber. And it's a oh. bit like, how the hell do you cosplay as someone with an explosion for a face? <laughs> you know? Yeah, but people who don't know who Chamber is, it might be easy if you quickly Google him. But basically, oh, yeah. he doesn't have a mouth and he, it's just a, bo- that's a lot of fire. Yeah, like the lower half of his yeah. jaw and his chest uh, are gone um, because he just contains like this huge amount of psionic energy, um, which is just constantly like exploding out of him. So he, when he's like chilled, I guess, he's wrapped up in bandages, like up to his nose kind of thing. Um, but like when he's using his powers, he's just like spewing energy out of this hole in his chest and face. Um, and this cosplayer so once like did that, like they didn't do the what would seem like the easier option of like, oh, I'll just wear bandages up to my nose and mm-hmm. people know I'm chamber. He was like full on, had created this like almost fro- frozen explosion kind of effect all, all on him and it lit up and everything. And I was just like blown away. I was just like, you you visually look like this character who just could not work. And I was just like, I can't believe it. Um, but yeah, okay. that's the kind of stuff I love with cosplay. That's kind of why um, I take the photos. Um, plus as well, what I find with um, cosplay is everyone kind of gets a joy out of it. So like when yeah. I take the photos of them from behind my table, and like I said, I'm not going around taking photos of everyone um, at the shows typically, it's usually from behind my table or like if I've popped off to get a sandwich, I'm, I'll grab a couple um, as I'm walking to and from. And for me, it's like getting to share that with people who don't go to Comic-Cons and they get to see the kind of costumes and you know, seeing them sort of react to it and, and mm-hmm. have fun with it. So that's always why I kind of take photos of cosplay because it's just a lot of fun to share that. If I were to twist your arm um, and mm. you money wasn't the question and you had all the ability and skill <laughs> to make costumes, who would you want to do? Ooh. Um, do you know what? Lately, I I probably like to do a, a good cosplay of like um, Captain Marvel and I, I'm 
uh, I mean Shazam. Um, so like oh, DC's yeah. Captain Marvel, not yeah, because now he's called Shazam because whatever. <laughs> but like probably that because I love that film. I love the the tone of it was very different to a lot of DC's other movies. Um, and like lately, I saw some people getting a bit rude about it and being all like, oh, "It's not grim and gritty like all oh, comic book movies should be." And I'm just like, "Hell no!" It's actually fun. But Shazam so, isn't, as, I mean, I don't know too much about him, but he's not a grim, gritty character, is he? No, exactly, he's not. I mean, like, his main, one of his main bad guys is a, is a telepathic caterpillar. So, like, of course huh. it's not going to be grim and gritty. So, so when and they I, sort of I, say I, that I kind of stuff, you kind of feel like... Have the villains, but, uh... Yeah, it's like literally a telepathic caterpillar called Mr. Mind, um, because that is where those books came from. Um, I mean, to be fair, the original... Like I said, originally Shazam was called Captain Marvel from way back when. And back then, those comic books were kind of, those ones in particular, were aimed at kids. Um, I mean, he's literally the child's power fantasy of, he says a magic word and he becomes an adult. And therefore can do whatever he wants in, adult wor- in, in, a, in an adult world. But more than that, he's a superpowered adult. So it's just like, it's, it was very much a kid's fantasy book. Um, so for someone to turn around and be like, oh, Shazam, I should have been all grim and gritty and like, where's the blood? You just be like, do you know what you're talking about? Uh, has anyone ever cosplayed as any of your characters that you've written? Not as yet. Um, there's been some people I've seen who've made things like a onesie um, of Fab Man to sort of sit around the house with and like who've <sighs> done really incredible creative things like make puppets, which was like awesome. Um, but no one's actually sort of cosplayed as for characters as yet. I do have some friends from my day job who are cosplayers as well, and they are working on some cosplay of my characters. And I'm just like, oh, I really want to see that happen one day because I think that's when I'll know I've made it as a character <sighs> when someone cosplays the pride characters. I know you have a character called Twink who I, mm. if I had the better body and <laughs> an unlimited amount of silver paint, and I, that's the one I think I would attempt to do to be fair you you would rock rock a twink uh, cosplay for sure thank you i I feel more like a twas now i I twas a twink (laughs) and 30 i'm not sure i can really necessarily call myself a twink anymore but you know so the pride that they are a lgbt plus um superhero team are are they done are they coming back what's the latest with them um they there's definitely more i have to tell them um so I hope to come back. Um, I've, I've currently got some pictures um, out there. Um, there's nothing confirmed or anything as yet, but the hope is, but yeah, there'll be more pride in the future. Um, probably not in 2020 now, but um, maybe, hopefully, fingers crossed, maybe something next year. Um, but yeah, there's definitely going to be more pride if I can get my way. <laughs> Good. And there need, to be, there need to be more gay superheroes out there. I mean, we've got a nice handful well, now, sure. but there still aren't enough. In comic, I feel oh, like sure. there's a lot. There's a lot in comic book world, but when it comes to any other sort of media, they're, they're just non non-existent. Mm. It's it's really quite funny how um, there was actually an article I think just this weekend. Um, I can't remember who wrote it or or what it was about or what even it was focused on. But they were suggesting that um, because of a gay character introduced in the comics, and kind of suggested that the comics was like way behind on everything. Um, whereas you know movies were like doing it and it's just like well actually if you look at comic book movies 
there's a complete dearth of LGBT representation. Like an MCU movies, like got what twenty odd films, and you've got like oh there was that gay guy in the in the support group. Like that is the queerest we've had in superhero cinema, um, really. So comics have actually got a lot more lately, and it's got a lot better. Um, it's not perfect, and there's a lot more to be done. Um, but it's at least getting somewhere, um, which is nice. Um, I'd like to see more queer creators um, getting involved in the mainstream uh, superhero universes at Marvel and DC and sort of in uh, writing some of these queer characters because it would be nice to have uh, more queer voices involved in, the, um, in those stories. But yeah, it's, it's getting better, certainly. Nice, cool. I, I, I remember getting really excited when the gay character Northstar married mm. his um, husband, his fiance, then husband, uh, in X-Men. I remember, I don't normally buy singular issues of comics, I normally buy the when they're the full... The trade paperbacks and things. Yeah, yeah the trade paperbacks. Um, but I bought that especially just because it, it was a really important moment. Where there was a well, yeah, it was, it was a landmark issue. And yeah. To be fair to Marvel, they they like they marketed it as such. Like, like mm. they made sure that like all the big uh, newspapers would have some kind of story running that day when that issue came out and i was just like well that's kind of awesome because yeah that is a big deal um so it's, it's nice when you see companies of that size who have the resources um to put some weight behind that kind of visibility um actually use it um so yeah it's it was i remember that issue and i think i've got a single issue of that as well somewhere um just because like that was a case of like yeah i've got to get this this is a landmark you know it's definitely something you have to own your current project, how, how long have you, is that, how, how, how does it, let's begin at the start, how do you even start making a comic? How do you, how, where does it all begin? What is the process? I mean, like every creator's probably got it a little different. Like for me, um, I've got a bunch of things which I, I like to call like seeds of ideas. So like I'll have notebooks with just, um, or on my Google Drive, they'll just be like little kernels of ideas I've got, which I'm just like trying to work out how to build a story around them. Um, and then sort of from there, you start looking at, you know, finding a creative team. Um, like the one I'm working on at the moment, um, Glitter Vipers, it's um, not so much of, it's a fun story, but not making fun of the things it's about because it's on about some fairly serious topics. Um, so it's kind of just a way of sort of finding some catharsis um, in things which are going on at the moment. <clears throat> so it's it kind of stemmed from, uh, when I'm going to and from my day job, I read the news on my phone and just reading a lot of these horrible stories of like homophobic hate crimes and things um, and just feeling angry. Um, so like this idea then in my head of just like, of like, I wish I was there so that I could punch the guy or whatever, because it's nearly always a guy um, and just stuff like that. And just being, and it's sort of built from there like, oh, well, what if, there was someone in that situation and they did decide, you know, let's make a gang, let's make sure this doesn't happen again, or let's get revenge um, on the ones who sort of hurt us, etc. Um, so the sort of basis of the idea sort of started from there <clears throat> and it just sort of built um, gradually as I worked out what I wanted to say with that kind of story and what was important for me to show. Um, and then for, with Glitter Vipers in particular, like one of the things I knew I wanted to do was I wanted to have an all queer creative team um, because we were looking at this particular story from a very queer point of view. Um, so it was, 
I wanted to make it not just a queer um, creative team, but as diverse a cre uh, queer creative team as possible. So try and show in as much of the LGBTQ spectrum as I could. Um, when you're looking at what, four or five people involved in creation. So um, yeah, it was pretty much everyone on that book um, is LGBTQ in some way. Um, and we put this thing together and yeah, that's, that's the paper. So we got uh, coming out now. In fact, just had an email about another two pages drawn so I'm just like oh great ah. um so I'll be checked out in a minute <laughs> how do you go about finding the artists like do do they approach you do you is there a forum for comic book artists do you there put that on indeed or <laughs> there's forums out there I don't use them very much um I have a tendency these days of just putting out public calls on social media. So like, I'll just be on Twitter. Like I follow a lot of artists and stuff anyway. So like sometimes if I've got a project, which I think like, oh, this guy's going to be perfect. Mm -hmm. Then I will approach that person directly, you know? Um, whereas there are some times where I'm just like, I don't know who's free and I don't know who's available, etc. Um, so what I'll do is I'll just put out, I've got this kind of project. Um, I'm looking for an artist. Um, here's a few minor details without any kind of um, spoilers about what the book's about. Um, and just message me if you're interested. And like people will generally reply um, and let you know like if they're available, etc. Maybe give you a link to their portfolio. And then it's just a matter of just going through and working out who's going to be the best fit um, for the story you're doing. Um, and then like talking with them and maybe and revealing more about what the project's going to involve. Um, and then obviously seeing who wants to do that. Like, because sometimes it'll be a case of like this artist might say they're interested, <clears throat> you give them the story and they might realize, oh, actually, I don't know if this, this one's for me kind of thing. So, sure. um, you know, it's sort of just a matter then of working through, of whittling down and working out who's not just going to be good to work on this project, but who's got the availability, who's got, who likes the story as well, because um, it works so much better if a person isn't just looking to just work for hire, they actually are interested in the story. Um, so yeah, that, that's kind of my main way. It's, it's probably the most obtuse way of doing it, um, but it's the way which has always worked for me. So that's kind of how I do it. Who is the artist you have on this project? So Glitter Vipers is an artist called Katie Fleming. Um, she's one of the ones where actually I, I went and approached her um, immediately because we'd spoken, I think, at a con or two and a bit online in the past. Um, and I knew that she was a great artist um, and would has this really great sort of flowing um, and frenetic sort of line work, which would work really well for this story. So she was one of those ones where I was just like, I went straight to her. And I was just like, I've got this story. I really want to work with you. Um, would, are you interested? And are you available? And thankfully, yes, she was available. And yes, she was interested. So um, that's why we got Katie Fleming on um, Clitter Vipers. Um, <clears throat> from there, it was like filling up the rest of the team then. Just like, oh, right, I need a colorist. Um, I'm looking specifically for an LGBTQ colorist. So um, I put the call out. And that's how we went with Kelly Fitzgerald, et cetera. So it's, um, yeah, it's, it's been great working on putting that together and, and making sure it's this great queer team to make this great queer book. So It sounds like you actually, you're forming your own little superhero team, essentially. It is a little bit. I mean, like you, you're sort of putting out the call or you're going to the sort of great um, powers in, uh, in your 
industry and medium um, to put together this little team to make something really special. So uh, in a way, it kind of is. It kind of has the same sort of feeling. Um, it's very much, in particular, like with the Pride and how the Pride came together in that first season, um, kind of similar to how that all worked out. So I, I never really thought of it that way. But yeah, maybe I was kind of writing Fab Man Searcher as a little bit from experience. Who will respond to the call? Um, <laughs> so can you tell us a bit about um, Vipers? Yeah, uh, so Glitter Vipers, um, <clears throat> excuse me, it's a 60-page uh, original graphic novel. Um, so it's an all-done-in-one, self-contained story kind of thing. It's not like part one or anything like that. Um, it's uh, about this drag queen called By Felicia um, and her <laughs> friends. I know, right? Bye, <laughs> um, Felicia. I know, right? Like, as soon as, soon as I sort of, uh, that name sort of hit me, it struck me like a lightning bolt. I was just like, oh my God, I've got to write something now. Is, is um, there a Bye Felicia out there? Is that a real not queen? Not that or? I know of. Good, let's keep it that way. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> but um, yeah, so she's a drag queen on the Manchester UK uh, gay village drag scene um, in, in the story. <clears throat> and her and a bunch of her friends kind of um, are unfortunately victims of a hate crime. Um, and they have a support group. Um, uh, and then part of their support group, they just, they sort of realise that they're all just really angry and they want... Um, not just kind of revenge, but they want to make sure like this to do something, to actually physically do something um, mm -hmm. to make sure this doesn't happen again and to fight back. So it's about them then forming this street gang that, that calls themselves the Glitter Vipers, who then patrol the Manchester gay village, just protecting it and beating the crap yes. out of bigots. Oh, sorry. Um, <laughs> with a sequin covered baseball bat. So yeah, that's um, kind of what Glitter Vipers is all about. Um, it's in a way, it's like in terms of thematically what it's about, it's about that anger which survivors can have um, and that they are justified to it, but it's so often treated as, oh, that's the wrong way to do things or that's the wrong way to feel. And it's just like, this is a story where we sort of look at, is it wrong or is it not something that they are absolutely justified um, to feel? Um, and it's really weird, like launching the Kickstarter, <clears throat> how it's become kind of a timely thing on a wider, broader scale, given like the Black Lives Matter sort of protests which are happening at the moment um, and everything which is going on. So it's like everyone who comes from a minority identity, I think, could relate to the idea of this anger um, and being told that they don't have a right to feel that way when they absolutely do. But it is such a thing as a justified anger. It's a very human emotion to have. Mm. Um, so yeah, that's kind of Glitter Vipers. And as I say, although it talks about these kind of um, serious topics, like the one thing I was looking for with this book was to have a kind of element of catharsis about it. So it handles these serious topics in a fun way, but not by making fun of them. Because like I say, these aren't things to make fun of, but the same way that it doesn't need to be grim and gritty and dour and sad all the time. It's So that's why and visually we're kind of going with um, what I've been describing as like a queer grindhouse glitter noir kind of style to it. Nice. So I'm actually from Manchester originally. Um, oh, awesome. I've, been, I've been living in London now eight, seven years roughly. Uh, so I know Canal Street quite well. Um, how in, the, in your book, how accurate is it to um, real Canal Street or because Canal Street is not that big. So have you expanded the world a little bit? For We've expanded it a bit. Um, like we, 
involve like some of the parks which are close by and stuff as well and just kind of make them a bit bigger just because like i say it is a bit nicer to have like a bit bigger environment to play with but otherwise the environments are pretty um spot on the case we're doing so far so it's just like there are there are vaguenesses as well involved in the story where i'm just like all oh, right so I, we we're gonna set this scene now it's gonna happen in this kind of environment so let's just pretend there's this kind of environment close by kind of thing so it, it, look we kind of try to keep it as much as possible um but sometimes for um the benefits of story and pacing like we might make a few creative liberties <laughs> yeah you're a writer I, i'm just happy to know there's a superhero roaming in the streets of manchester actually and uh a, oh a that's one of the things with glitter vipers actually it's very much not superheroes um they are average people um mm. so it's just an average people street gang kind of thing that being said there is a pride story which takes place in manchester and the artist did an absolutely spectacular job of um getting manchester landmarks down oh i need to look this up i don't know how oh, yeah, it's, one, it's one of our shorts from the pride adventures um okay. it was actually one of the ones which was guest written by another writer and was actually written by cena grace who did marvel's Iceman series oh yes i love cena grace Exactly, Cena Grace is fabulous, so yeah. of course everyone loves Cena Grace. <laughs> I mean, yeah, he made Iceman gay, so yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Where did the urge to write these type of characters come from, and why why Manchester as well? Um, in terms in terms of the urge to write uh, like queer characters in comic books, it literally just came from the the fact that I very rarely saw myself um, in this medium I love uh, and the genres which I love, and. I very rarely saw someone who was explicitly like me or explicitly like my friends. Um, and it was kind of a case of just feeling a little bit like that's almost like telling someone they've got, they've got to be in a closet um, because you're not willing to show them. So for me, it was always been a case of like, when I start making these things, I want to make sure there are a lot of LGBTQ characters in everything I do. So pretty much any book I wind up doing will have some kind of LGBTQ representation element as part of it. Um, in terms of Manchester involvement in this, it, it was just one of those things where I wanted to show that given one of the things we're looking at, like say, is, is hate crimes and um, how there has been this sort of rise in hate crimes in recent years um, and how it has made places where we should feel safe not as safe as they used to be um all that or even that they weren't really completely safe kind of thing so one of the things like one place i've been to manchester a few times doing con cons and i love the gay village there um but like it's one of those things where i was just like it's one of those places where i could easily see that you could something like that could happen kind of thing like you know mm -hmm. i want to show that this is a wonderful place and it is a place of safety, but and you should feel safe here. But this is the danger we're facing right now, is that our spaces, which were meant to be for us, are now being eroded and are being um, gradually sort of um, broken away. So it was one of those things where I was sort of thinking of the city and whether I was going to set it. Like at first, I think when I wrote it, it was kind of vague about where it was going to be set. Um, sure. to the idea that, oh, it could just be a fictional city kind of thing. And then I was just like, no, screw it. Let's just make it Manchester, UK. Um, I, very, I very quickly come to the realisation that I want to set it in the UK. Um, but then, yeah, it just got to a point where it's just like, well, why make one app? Let's just do Manchester. Um, it fits well and 
I think it's here in the UK, outside of London, it's like one of the first big gay scenes anyone else thinks of. Mm-hmm. Um, is Manchester's gay scene so it was just like one of those things like I'm not going to do London because that feels obvious to me somehow um, so I'll do Manchester and sort of had this other sort of um, city on show While we are in lockdown um, and mm-hmm. stuck inside I mean things are easing off but we are still for the majority of things stuck inside what quick yeah. books would you suggest <laughs> to people to read as one-offs while they are indoors? Um, oh, what ones are really great? Um, I'm trying to think of like <laughs> trying to think of like really good ones to like suggest, uh, which have like no problematic elements as well because there's a lot Put of that you on the spot. Oh, no, <laughs> right. Um, I would say, oh, um, there's some really great stuff from uh James Tynan IV, who is a really great queer writer. He's a bisexual writer. He's doing a book. <clears throat> um he or he did a book rather called The Backstages, uh, which is really great. It's kind of um slightly younger skewed, but it reads really well for a more mature audience as well. So that's a really good one. Oh, oh, uh Mark Russell did um and um and co <clears throat> did a book called uh, Snagglepuss Chronicles, and um, it's called Exit Stage Left, The Snagglepuss Chronicles. And it's an update of the Snagglepuss characters from Hanna-Barbera cartoons back in the, what was it, 50s and 60s? Yeah, um, really well, but I don't know. Yeah, yeah. Oh, it's so good. It is so good. Cause it's it's uh, released as a trade now. You can get it as a hardcover or paperback. And it's um, uh, one story, like self-contained. And it's resetting Snagglepuss as this effete uh, playwright in the middle of the um, Red Scare era in America. So him and and the Stonewall riots get involved as well. So it's it's really, really good. Um, And and he's unashamedly and unabashedly gay. Like he's not, he's in the closet because you had to be back then. But yeah, they they don't make any jokes about it like what was always the case with the Snagglepuss character it's like no Snagglepuss is gay um but he's this gay playwright in New York in the middle of the Red Scare um and it's it's brilliant it's really well written um really well drawn and the emotion of the story is like really overpowering at times like you really get to it like we're talking about anthropomorphized pink panther like cats and stuff and at the same time like you get to points in that book where you are generally filling up with tears because it is just really moving um so that i suggest um what else is really good i want to pick like another really queer book as well um oh i'll pick another two actually one one is really queer and one is just superbly well written and deeply romantic. And the queer one is uh, Midnighter by Steve Orlando. Um, Midnighter is this kind of gay Batman-esque character um, yeah. from DC. And there's two trades of Midnighter's solo series out. Um, and then there's one called Midnighter and Apollo, which was Steve getting to finish his um, run on the characters kind of thing. And they're just fun. <clears throat> they're fun. They this he's an unashamedly open out gay man who kicks ass, um, and it's superb and it's really well written and and the art is fantastic in it. So yeah, check out Midnight from Steve Orlando, and um, if you search that, you'll be able to find them. Um, and then the other one 
which was like the not a queer focus thing, but it's very uh, deeply romantic um, in both the sort of romance sense, but also like romantic sort of imagery kind of sense. Um, is The Savage Shores uh, by Ram V. Um, he's a writer, and it's um, actually it's one of those books which comes from Vault, um, which I mentioned a little earlier, and it's it's absolutely gorgeous. Um, like the artwork is absolutely uh, sumptuous. It's probably the best description of the way throughout, and the writing is poetic. So it's just that is a book where someone wants to try a graphic novel for the first time, but maybe has some qualms because they like I'm a book reader or whatever and think that it's maybe below them try these savage shows you definitely find that this is going to be um to your intellectual um highlight oh uh, nice so something I wanted to ask you actually um do you draw at all or, or do you have any drawing do you draw for your work or are you I typically don't um I do draw I used to draw I don't draw very much anymore, but I um, used to draw as a way to relax. And for a while, when I was a kid, I used to think I want to draw comics and I want to be an artist kind of thing. Um, and it was very quick that I learned that I am not an artist. Um, <laughs> and so I've never really done, and certainly I, I would say generally, I don't draw any of my own comics, but there is actually a page of the pride, which was drawn by me, um, which was uh, Angel's origin one page story. Amazing. Um, that was actually me drawing as well, and is terrible as a result. <laughs> <laughs> um, no, I I tend to keep my um, skills to the writing part of the creation process. I remember as a child just write. I'm not an artist. I don't draw at all. But I remember as a child just drawing pages after page after page after page of this most ridiculous superheroes. Like just <laughs> in my head, I remember in high school I had a team. And I thought I called them the talents, and I thought. In my head, that was a really cool, like, superhero name. Looking back, actually really, really stupid. But I was so confident. And I'm like, yeah, no, he's a spy and she throws blades and he's got, like, laser powers. And I thought, yeah, this is going to be it one day. It's not the gifted, it's the talents. And I'm like, look, thinking back at it now, I don't know, that's just literally come back to me in a flashback. But I'm thinking, hmm, I'm going to leave comic book writing and drawing to the professional. So thank you for doing what you do, Joe. <laughs> um, yeah, no, I, I, like, I was just saying, like growing in school and stuff, like my any of my school uh, notebooks, like the margins were just filled with sketches and drawing. Like, so like for me, it was like it was. I was always doing it. I was just I wasn't very good. Um, the um, I think the big thing for me is like I was. I'm not very good at sequential um, artwork. Um, <clears throat> so sequential storytelling in terms of drawing it. Um, like I could do a singular image, not too bad. Like I'm passable. Mm -hmm. Um, but yeah, when it came to like trying to tell the story um, through art, I was not very good at that at all. What um, so what is going to be the first thing you do when when everything is back to normal, <laughs> as normal as it can get? Anyway, what's what are you craving? Oh God, um, I would like to get some fried chicken. Hopefully, <laughs> um, would be the first thing. Um, I I tried it, the lockdown thing had me. Um, so craving it at one point, but I made my own fried chicken, and I'm not being—I you know, don't want to blow my own horn, but it was good. But it was such a potch. I was like, I'm not doing this on the regular. <laughs> like, I would like to just go and get some fried chicken and let someone else worry about the cooking it. Um, do, you, do you not? Is delivery not a thing yet? Not around where I live. 
um oh, like no. i am in the south wales valleys uh we don't have much in a way of restaurants which can which we're in the catchment area of um the close the best i can do is i have a domino's at the end of my street and they deliver um okay. so like i can have a pizza every now and then but i want some fried chicken <laughs> yeah. but yeah um probably that i mean I, I i know a lot of people would probably be saying like oh i want to go to pub i want to get a drink and i'm like i'm actually not that fast i um went out for the first time um because we just our lockdown obviously in wales is slightly different so like we've only last week um did they get rid of the five mile limit on how far you could travel um okay. so last week i went um to uh, town and i sort of met up with some friends in a socially distanced and totally responsible way like wearing masks and like no one coming within two feet etc and we just sat in the park and had a few cans and i was like that's fine for me like i don't need to go to a pub <laughs> hmm. Thank you so much for joining me on this. Um, where yeah, can please, people find you? Where, what would you like to plug? Sell yourself? Go! <laughs> so uh, the places to find me, Twitter, I am at Joseph Glass. Um, on Instagram, I'm at Joe Glass, uh, just one word. Um, I'm at J-O-E Glass. Um, and uh, I have a website called, uh, which is www.joeglasscomics.co.uk. Um, so yeah, that's kind of all the big places to find me. Uh, Glitter Vipers is my current uh, book, which is currently on Kickstarter at the time of recording, uh, but there's only about a week left um, on it. But even if you go to the Kickstarter or, and search for Glitter Vipers, you should be able to find any links to find wherever it winds up going. <laughs> yeah, I was going to say, if um, someone misses out the Kickstarter, will they still be able to get it after the Kickstarter? Yes, uh, once I've got it all printed out and everything, um, I will be adding it to my website. Um, and I have an online store on my website, so people will be able to buy nice. the book once it's actually printed and out and everything as well. Well, make sure, um, listeners, you check out Joe's work. He's a fantastic person. He's a great, he's a great writer. He's um, written many LGBTQ stories and characters who we should all be thankful for. Um, and he's bringing in all, all a little bit of joy and entertainment while this is all going on. So again, thank you, Joe. Um, Thanks for having me. Thank you for listening to me rambling on and stumble over my <laughs> questions. Uh, yeah, and uh, we'll uh, talk soon. Okay, talk soon. Planning for your next trip? Elevate your travel style with Quince. Quince has all the jet-setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway, like European linen, premium luggage options, buttery soft Italian leather bags, and so much more and is all priced at 50 to 80% less than similar brands. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe and ethical manufacturing practices. Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com pack for free shipping and 365-day returns. Hold up. What was that? Boring. No flavor. That was as bad as those leftovers you ate all week. Kiki Palmer here, and it's time to say hello to something fresh and guilt-free. Hello Fresh. Jazz up dinner with pecan-crusted chicken or garlic butter shrimp scampi. Now that's music to my mouth. Hello Fresh. Let's get this dinner party started. Discover all the delicious possibilities at hellofresh.com. Mm. Mm. 